1: Kate. Okay. It was very funny to see you scramble across to see if you could fire off the ring doorbell. I managed it. In the end, I asked for it and then it was That's like... All right, my job. Oh, right. Okay.
2: oh, Oh, like that is it. Like that is it. Are we on? Is it like being in France? That's not my job.
1: Okay, well you join us during a very fiery production meeting about why my colleague Kate couldn't ping a jingle. Well, more of a sound effect, really, Jane, at the appropriate moment. And she's gone bright red, and so she should. She claims it's not her job to fire off sound effects. I think somebody in that studio should always know how to do it. Because I don't. Because I'm too talented to to be encumbered with that kind of ability. You are, in fact, the talent. Yes, that's what they say. So you can't press your indoor Well, when Fee's on holiday, technically in that room, I suppose I am. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, but hurry back, Fee. (laughs) Um, now you were telling me earlier that you got the train. And I do. I seriously, I do admire this Jane about you. You're always so fresh-faced and vibrant and enthusiastic. But what time did you get your train into
2: London this morning? Five forty-four a.m. Because I'm addicted to this very intense reform pilates class on a wednesday morning in oxford circus okay. and if i get the 605 or the 615 and something goes a bit awry with the trains which they often do mm. i miss my class and you don't get the money back and it's wildly expensive okay. and it's so intense is this pilates class that uh on is my way burning? into yes on my way into the office a good hour after the class had finished my legs were still trembling My
1: goodness.
2: um so that's why i get up at 5am for that which i think Yeah, says a lot about 14 years at Catholic school, doesn't it? It's a puzzle in itself. Yeah, but on the train... Did you have a favourite nun? (laughs) We only had one at my school. No, we had two, actually, Sister Susan and Sister Brenda. Neither of them would have been seen dead at Reforma Pilates, it has to be said. (laughs) If you're a nun and you do go
1: to Reforma Pilates, or you've ever seen a nun at Reforma Pilates, because I do Reforma Pilates on a Friday morning, but... um, I've never had many that.
2: many members of the church. No,
1: no, it's well. I do it with the same chap every week. Well, my instructor, and then there's only other there's only two of us in the class. I can't give his name away, but he's he's quite big in showbiz. Uh, so I normally pick up quite a few anecdotes when I'm when I'm a reformer Pilates. But I've never had the leg wobbly. The thing. leg
2: Well, we did an incredibly complicated new move today that did feel as if someone was having a bit of a laugh. Well,
1: um, it's hard to bring that kind of thing to life in word form. But
2: over to you. What was it? Uh, I, we were long box which means the box is on top of the carriage the bit that moves yeah um in, in a long way not a short way mm. and then we were lying on it with our legs in tabletop our feet uh in the short straps loops and then basically doing sit-ups on the box with our feet in straps um yeah it 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 was torture and jane pays for this yeah i pay a lot of money for this and then anyway, she goes to work. And then I go to work. By the time I get to work, I'm so grumpy. Um, but anyway, on my train this morning, on my 5.44am train, in stark contrast to the youths I've been putting up with on the train home, there was a beautiful standard poodle this morning oh. who lay down at my feet this morning. Yeah, it was very soothing. Cool. It was um, a lovely journey
1: into did, work did with the a big dog, Did you? Were you able to sex the poodle?
2: Well, his owner called him a he, so okay. I presumed... Right. He was not misgendering his own dog. No,
1: well, it would be, even if you're getting a train from Brighton, I don't think anyone's going to misgender their dog. <laughs> no,
2: no one would dare. It's
1: just not that kind of place. No. Um, okay, well, I hope you see both the dog and its owner again Me soon. Me too. Yeah. Oh, God. I like them both. Right. Um, I have been meaning to email in for a while, says Lizzie. Um, I don't know what stopped her in the past. I'm a listener from Tunbridge Wells. And there's been yet another fox sighting of that bloody fox at Kew Gardens. She's also seen it. I've recently become a first-time mum to a 12-week-old baby son. Oh, congratulations. Uh, Congratulations, Lizzie. No wonder you haven't been able to get round to emailing in fairness to you. (laughs) In fact, I'm surprised you've done it now. I can relate, she says, to the joy of bag-twizzling, something we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Unexpectedly, since having a baby, I have found folding one of my son's wet nappies into a small parcel before it goes into the bin Incredibly satisfying, rolling it in on itself and using the fasteners to secure it. Luckily for me, I get to do this multiple times <laughs> a day. As you can tell, my world has become very small since having the baby, uh, Lizzie. But don't berate yourself. I once, in a fog of maternal anxiety, went round the same branch of boots about seven times, trying to decide whether it was time to increase the number of holes. In the baby's teat on the milk bottle. Yes, I did do breastfeeding, but I also did occasionally give the odd bit of formula. Just getting it out there. More than the odd bit. Uh, anyway, she's fine. Both, both my kids were mixed fed and they seem to be flourishing. Well, after a fashion. But honestly, that kind of head spinning nonsense where you just cannot break. I don't know. You can't break through back into the world you used to inhabit when you're in those really dizzying early weeks and months of parenthood so lizzie you've written a very cogent email yeah, t- 12 weeks in 12 weeks in. very impressive congratulations and you've been to kew gardens and I mean, you've uh, seen a listen. fox and you've seen a fox winning you could have seen me for all i know uh that would have been that would have put the tin
2: lid on the her real day. fox jane thank you jane you're welcome
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: did that sound sincere not really oh,
1: okay uh, you're getting very like fee <laughs> <laughs> Bloody heartbreaking! I did get a Valentine. I think it's from Asmamia. Oh, that's very nice. That is. That is nice. She, and she'd made it herself. Yeah, it certainly looked as though she'd made it herself.
2: <laughs> or her, or her child had. Oh gosh, sorry. Yes, possibly. Quite possibly. She may, she may have paid a child to do it. But I don't think her child had. I think it was okay, all, all around work.
1: Was it her? It was actually made for her by someone else. She's passed on. She outsourced it. A second-hand Valentine to me. She was given a Valentine's card by Kane Reeves from Talksport. Oh. Uh-huh. Wow. So, hang on. How do you feel now? Well, that's what just... sort of feelings are you feeling? I'm well, not really. I'm completely deflated. No. Oh.
2: Second-hand card. Hey, Matt,
1: you being mean about the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: I'm that's... just going to read an email, if that's okay. I'm shattered. Um. So this sort of relates to everything, reforming Pilates birth. About 10 years ago, I went for a smear test, says our anonymous listener, and I was advised I had pelvic floor muscles of steel. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I was very proud. Although on reflection, I was probably just extremely tense since our correspondent. <laughs> a few years Hang later. On. Has
1: anyone not been tense <laughs> exactly. as a smear test?
2: It's not the most relaxing, But can
1: it? I just say, I think it, we, we don't say often enough, because you can have a good smear test, can't you? Well, not you know, good in the sense that it's done professionally mm. and it, it isn't, you know, it's uncomfortable. You don't you cry. You don't cry. And I've, I must admit, I've never had an agonising experience. Mm. I've only ever had. Ouchie. Slightly ouchy, but always efficiently done and always with kindness, actually. Mm.
2: Mm. I must yeah. be
1: That's just my experience. Anyway, yeah.
2: A few years later, says our correspondent, I went for another smear test and the nurse asked if the student could sit in. The nurse carried out the smear test, apparently without any issues, but while I was still in the room, said to the student, It doesn't always look like it does in the textbooks. <laughs> Yes. Our listener says, I was too insulted to react. But on a serious note, it did seem in contradiction to the NHS campaign to persuade women to book in for more smear tests. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, you, th- th- to go back to my earlier... What you couldn't call it an anecdote, an observation. Um, I I, I, would—the last thing I'd ever want to do—is deter women from going for them. Absolutely. I mean, definitely not. Uh, And I would say, but I would say, if I'd had a terrible time, and I never, I never have had, so Mm. um, you know, they're so important. Don't, don't not go, Uh, because it is—it's absolutely emphatically worth it. um, once you get over that initial,
2: it's just—it's a little bit undignified. That's the main—that's the main thing. There's nothing really worth. It's not more than that, is it? I I just think everyone goes to the toilets. There's nothing dignified
1: about that, is there? When you actually think about it no um hello jane and fee it's jane and jane but yeah but this is written to be fair uh, um when fee was here anyway none of that is irrelevant let's start this whole thing again cut this <laughs> i'm trying to be slick i know you don't like me today okay <laughs> this is from a on the subject that we were talking about last week jane uh on whether you should move to be nearer your adult children in later life and this is from a who says my widowed mum lives next door to us and has moved twice to live it to us. We tried to shake her off with a false address, but she tracked us down. <laughs> a joke everybody my parents lived in bath for 30 years my three siblings and i are all dotted around the isle of Wight, oxfordshire and two of us were in kent about a year after my dad died in 2012 and during a bad bout of flu my mum decided to move to kent to be nearer me my brother and her grandchildren then five years ago my partner and i decided to move to east sussex to a town we love and two years later my mum rang out of the blue And asked what we thought about her moving in next door. I wasn't sure at the time that it was a great idea. I mean, a bit too close. But in many ways, it has made and will make life so much easier. She's 85, still extremely independent, very considerate about giving a space, never comes round unannounced. I pop in and see her every week or so and we go to local events together. As she gets older, I'm sure we'll give her more help, but for now she's independent and has a busy life. I see friends who have to drive for several hours to get to their elderly parents in need and now I really appreciate her practicality in making that decision. Um, A Thank you very much. That's um, that's one experience. I mean, gosh, having your mum right next door... It's a thought, but clearly it's working mm. really well at the moment.
2: Mine definitely considered moving to be closer to me. Uh, and I told them that there was a 10 mile radius, basically, Gosh. that they couldn't move inside of. I think that's fair enough. I, I mean, put I your marker down, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I did. Anyway, they they obviously took umbrage because they moved four hours north. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's how to handle parents. <laughs> yeah. Parent wrangling with Went Jane really
2: Well. Parents. <laughs> hello Jane and Fee you said on the podcast that you enjoy emails from abroad so this is one coming from Minnesota hello our correspondent in Minnesota the theme is continuing with facial hair grooming but with a different perspective maybe not meant to make it to air but that's for you to conclude well here we go all my adult life since puberty I've been a compulsive facial hair plucker (laughs) according to the internet hair pulling can be debilitating for some people but that's never been a problem for me as I pluck only facial hair and if I succumb I can just shave entirely and never have to contend to embarrassing patches or whatnot. I've been very good this winter, however, and have an unruly winter beard that I've been cultivating since early November. (laughs) I actually don't know the gender of this correspondent. Just carry on. (laughs) All of this is a prelude, however. A few nights ago, I had a dream where I was extracting a hair and instead of just coming out of the follicle, I kept pulling and pulling until it was three or four feet long. And I felt as though I was extracting my insides, maybe removing an entire nerve or some such. I then coiled it up for future examination under a microscope. Upon awakening, I had to spend a few minutes actually trying to figure out whether I'd ever done anything like this in my life, as it seemed so familiar. Thankfully, I concluded this has never actually happened. But I think I've discovered a new genre of recurring dream that I had been hitherto unaware of maybe the type of dream that only a compulsive hair puller might ever have I, I've got the t- I have the tooth one oh, I don't do, have the yeah. hair one but I have the tooth to- one yeah, so falling I- out teeth
1: yeah um, actually actually that correspondent has just, what do they say, broken a dream? When you suddenly recall a dream yeah. from the night before. Taylor Swift came around, finally. She came around and I was very angry because my sister, who I don't live with, hadn't hoovered and also, <laughs> and also the decorators had really not completed so much of the work in the house. And Taylor just came in and started colouring in, weirdly, <laughs> surrounded by quite small children. Anyway very very strange how long did that correspondent claim that hair was uh three or four feet long believe, by the time I'm sorry i want pulled it out i want to believe he that. he or she they, they. um they uh, i mean i know things are bigger in america but really <laughs> uh, I, I, i'm sorry
2: Come Um on. there was actually a taylor swift email as well maybe that's what your dream was part of because we were talking about God, taylor and travis kelsey a weren't we yesterday? feverish
1: night last night oh, oh. Yeah, I thought I was getting something, but do you know what? Illness just seems to elude me. You shouldn't say that, should you? No. Because I feel all right today. Um.
2: Oh, I'm going to try and. Th- Do you want to- I'm going to find the, the um okay. Taylor Swift email. I wanted to mention this
1: one from Carla um, because it's about crunchy trick- chicken. Uh, I was really happy when you read my email on your Extra Friday episode. Yeah, there was a treat for you last week, wasn't there? Uh, it was the one about my nan's 1980s soup powder crunchy chicken. It was really lovely to hear because on that day, it would have been my nan's 99th birthday. She had an amazing life uh, where she was one of the UK's first woman publicans, taking on a rundown pub in the Midlands, which had previously been a brothel. She then went on to be the first woman chair of the male dominated pub trade association. These women really, really paved the way for us. She died in horrid Covid times three Mm. years ago, and we really miss her laughter and her naughtiness. It was so funny to hear you at her special recipe, (laughs) Uh, great memories, and she'd have so loved being on the wireless. So thank you. Well, Carla, thank you for telling us about your nan's 1980s soup powder crunchy chicken. Um, It sounded revolting then, and it still sounds revolting (laughs) now. But um, she also sounds like a woman well worth celebrating. So what a life.
2: She does sound amazing. Um, We've got quite a long email here on many subjects. And I'm just going to read the PS because it's kind of a double whammy of a PS uh, on multiple subjects. Uh, so this is from Naomi, who says, On the su- subject of strange compliments, has anyone else been complimented on their placenta? For I have, she says. It was when I gave birth to my daughter and as I recovered from the epic 55-hour labour. Oh, God. <laughs> Ooh! All I could hear was the midwives talking about was my gigantic placenta, which they reckon was the largest they'd ever seen and was the reason my daughter had been so calm throughout. For context, says Naomi, I'm five foot two. They were so excited. So she'd been all placenta, basically. Yeah. They were so excited by it. They asked my husband, my long-suffering husband, to come to the gory end and take photographs of it. (laughs) I still have them somewhere, she says. Perhaps I should bring them out at my daughter's wedding. I still feel very proud of having produced such an impressive slab. No, we didn't take it home and eat it, she says. PPS recently made the deeply pleasing discovery that the lids of Pringles tubes fit goo ramekins exactly and it turns them into tiny, perfect containers. What? Yeah, I know. That's the PPPS for the ages. Oh, that Pringle really is, lids yeah. on the goo.
1: On the goo ramekins. Well, honestly, I might have to just dash home and start doing some craft. <laughs> um, thank you very much for that. Um, I don't know whether we, we don't really want images of placentas. No, um, no, I did get one wafted under my nose after childbirth and it's the most extraordinary structure. Um, it's so alien and so peculiar. And yes, it's a thing of beauty. I get it. It's all about life. Uh, but it's disgusting. <laughs> like so many aspects of life. Um, just. Just horrible. Just horrible. Uh, Quick medical one. Uh, We're still talking about funny things that doctors say about people. Dear all, long-time listener, love the show, says Claire, which people are saying a lot now in the light of the death of Steve Wright. Keep Mm. those love the shows coming, because while we're still saying love the show... And also,
2: I mean, your your email gets more likely to be read out. Much more likely.
1: We're still remembering Steve. Uh, Quick email as running. Of course you are, yes. Quick email as running, but my consultant referred to me as delightful when writing to my doctors. How about that? Although I suppose that could be code for hideous.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. It could be.
2: But I, um, I don't think it is. I would just like to say thank you to Caroline, who took me to task over getting Tony, Tony Turnbull. She's apologised. Yeah, she's she. apologised. So thank you, Caroline. I appreciate the apology. And also, fair enough, I would probably, you know, I was probably having a go at myself for not being able to do it as well. But I was just a bit pathetic at the time. Yeah, you were. So I mean, no, well.
1: no. I would have done the same as you. And so, no, I, I, I thought... She was a little hard on you, but listen, she's done the right thing and now she's apologised.
2: Exactly. We're moving on, Caroline. Uh, friends
1: again. Debbie, who is from Norfolk, says, I enjoy the show. And after listening to the references about so-called pleasant patients when doctors are referring people to consultants, I did think, of course, of what used to be written by certain doctors in this neck of the woods. It was, of course, NFN, (laughs) which means... Normal for Norfolk. Uh, not used anymore, uh, says Debbie, who is in Norfolk. So we need to make this clear. <laughs> this is somebody in Norfolk uh, laughing at themselves. OK, so it's not us, it's them. And they're embracing the gag, which is absolutely not something. that's pc It's very un-PC. And, and we never yeah, would. Although we sort of have. Although we do.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, dear Jaden Fee, with regards to James, this James dealings with the obnoxious man—I would call him a boy, even—I wouldn't call him a man—vaping <laughs> and uh, making a loud call on a train. I was wondering if you care to weigh in on the broader quandary of the acceptability of phone calls on trains. I feel like you've probably got a lot to say about this, actually, Jamesy. I do. So our listener says about seven or years, seven or eight years ago, when I was in my early twenties, I was on a train from Norwich to Cambridge on a somewhat circuitous route back to London. Yes, yeah, not—that's not the direct route, is it? No. Due to some engineering works to kill the time as we pass through the dull flatlands easy some people love the fens oh. i decided to phone my parents <clears throat> i'm a somewhat neglectful daughter and tend to only remember to phone home every three weeks or so my my if my mum only got a phone call every three weeks she'd send out a search party anyway. I, I don't think that's very often No it's not is it? Anyway we're not going to take you to task no, over this no. Um Hattie in Berlin because you have used your name. Um As soon as I started speaking on the call the woman in the front seat turned around abruptly which I put down to sudden surprise at hearing someone speak um, the conversation continued. My dad said there'd been a local sausage festival which I found hilarious and I said something along the lines of so it was a literal sausage fest this carried on for a little while <laughs> until the woman in front turned around and told me off for having a private conversation on the train. I didn't really know what to say to say back, so I just carried on until my signal cut out a few minutes later. I'm not a loud person, and it was not an official quiet coach. Admittedly, no one was really talking, but I didn't really feel that it was that different as if I'd been sat next to a friend having a chit-chat. I also wondered if she misinterpreted my sausage fest quip to be something sordid rather than being about an actual meat-based festival. Otherwise, there was nothing particularly intimate being discussed in this benign parent-child catch-up. At the time, says Hattie, it felt like I was being told off for breaking a rule that I didn't know existed. I haven't made a habit of making phone calls on trains since, though admittedly mainly due to the dodgy signal. I'm perfectly willing to take responsibility if this was in fact a faux pas and appreciate that maybe I was being unintentionally annoying. Perhaps I could have read the room a little better and clearly she was bothered by it. But I'm wondering, is there a general rule about this? Well, I
1: suppose... Oh gosh, am I being asked to actually adjudicate here. The thing is you never know what's going on in someone else's life and you might have had an absolutely hilarious day out which you want to discuss in Mm. huge detail with someone who perhaps couldn't be there but would like to know all about it you could be sitting diagonally opposite someone who's just received some terrible news or is visiting someone who's in terrible health or has just lost their job or whatever. I mean there's stuff going on in all of our lives Mm. and I think you've just got to embrace the possibility that maybe not everybody else is in the same mood as you
2: no and i think but i do think it's interesting on public transport particularly because i've i've had situations in the last week when three people in close proximity are all on calls with with earphones in yeah and the and the noise level is really high mm. and if you're on a bus in London often that I mean everyone around you can be making phone calls so it's just incredibly noisy which I mean it's fair enough people need to make phone calls but it's it, it it's just when you've had a long day it's really noisy. Yeah
1: it is and it's it does feel quite invasive if mm. you're even if you've just got a headache mm. you, know, you just or you just want to chill your beans for 20 minutes. Yeah um, so
2: the youth who I accosted youth, um yes. on Monday. How told is that
1: off. youth now? <sighs> I mean,
2: how is he? Or how old is he, detective? No, I just wonder how he is. I wonder whether he's given the incident a second thought. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, Seriously I doubt it. But he took me to task and said, if I was on a work call, that I'd find, you know, everyone around me would find that completely acceptable. Um, or if the man opposite me was on the phone to his boss, I wouldn't be complaining. And I said, actually, I probably would. You know, if it was a very quick, necessary one minute phone call to a work person, I wouldn't mind. But if it was a you know, forty minute phone call. I feel exactly the same. Yeah. He he felt that I was being unfair because of his youth. Um and the nature of his phone call—that I was being unfair—and that you know, if Mister Business opposite me was was making a you know business call, yeah. that I wouldn't have had a go at him. Not true.
1: No, you. I've had a go at I, everyone. I, Equal I, opportunities. I, are I know you well me. enough to now now to know that you probably would have had a go. Um, absolutely, I did tell somebody off in the street. Actually, I am such a battle axe. Um, I told some youths off on a bus a couple of months ago, but we talked about that. And then the other day, I t- there was it was quite early in the morning, and I was just walking out to get a coffee to get some steps in but also to get some caffeine and there was a bloke on the phone just talking really really loudly in a business call in a quiet road oh. and i just said what can you just pipe down shh, 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 shh. Mm. he looked absolutely <laughs> astonished that i'd had the temerity to reference his wildly important existence yeah but you know if you're a prat
2: yeah
1: i i just think about it uh, yeah
2: i think um were you were outdoors at this point. Yes, you weren't in, in closed space. Right, not in closed space yeah. at all. It no. was just being a public nuisance. That's a total public with nuisance. It is business call. I
1: wonder mm. if have you seen? I'm a bit of a. Um what would I call it, a bit of a nerd for space. I mean, it's ridiculous because I hate travel, but I'm really interested in space. And so I've been watching <laughs> uh, a documentary on the BBC iPlayer uh, about the Space Shuttle Columbia. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh, it's it's incredibly good. It's I think the is three of them, and it's called The Space Shuttle That Fell to Earth. And I do really recommend it because it's a very, it's not a sort of story of... of going boldly and science necessarily, it's about the humans Mm. who, you know, there's one young man in particular who lost his mother in the incident and Mm. he is it seems to me, and I've only watched the first episode that he's not really ever recovered and he was such a young boy and he didn't want her to go
2: Oh,
1: and he that's heartbreaking. He did tell her not to go and she went because she was, look, a truly brilliant accomplished woman who fully deserved her seat Mm. on the space shuttle but it obviously ended in the most tragic way imaginable. Anyway, if, if anyone else has watched it, I'm, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am.
3: If
2: you were given the opportunity to go to space, would you go?
1: No. No? No, I mean, I'm not that keen to go to... Where are we going into... Oh, we went to Latitude last summer. I found that quite a strain. <laughs>
2: they are very similar. <laughs> latitude and the moon. <laughs> yes. Well,
1: there we are. But you're a much more adventurous person. Well, in fairness, everyone is more adventurous <laughs> than I um, it's not. I, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't. But I, that, that's what it's so peculiar that I'm so interested in watching. I think it's the courage of other people. I am mm. absolutely in awe of their ability to to just put it all the put all the obvious fears to one side and do it anyway. Yeah. And it is it is
2: that thing about human human endeavour, isn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, I think it's really sad that obviously the space programme hasn't been funded for so long in the same way that I think it's devastating that Concord was taken out of service. I know it was dangerous, mm. but it's sort of like... we. You know, we were travelling faster than the speed of sound, and now we don't. Just going backwards odd. of it. Yeah, I wonder,
1: I just, are they not working on they some are. sort of they alternative? They are working yeah. on new supersonic. Having yeah. you said that, my at uh, the time that Concorde was still flying, my sister lived uh, in Ealing in West London, and I used to visit her. And there'd be a flight that would leave. I think this is right. It would leave Heathrow for New York at about ten to five, and it was the the house shook, mm. the street shook, yeah, basically London shook. Um, but yeah, was, when
2: you you get the band, it,
1: it was just extraordinary. Yeah, but fabulous. Yeah. Um, but apparently,
2: it's very cramped. It was like. very small, but quite glamorous. Did you I go remember, on it, Jane? I no, I was far too young, I, Jane. I was just I checking. Was a mere, mere baby when they took it out of service. Oh, um, right. I did interview Elizabeth Hurley once, who told me that when she'd go for auditions or just even a day of filming, sometimes in New York, mm. they'd fly you over on Concorde, um, so you'd get there before you left. And then they get a whole day of work out of you and then fly back on the red eye. But she also told me that she used to smuggle sausages on Concord, British sausages to America, which I really respect her for.
1: I won't ask where she put them. (laughs)
2: Let's do
1: one more email before we get into our guests this afternoon. This evening? No, whenever you're listening. Could be the middle of the night.
2: Uh, I read a very important and serious one, which is about label makers. Yeah, Which our listener said, listener Jill says, definitely still do exist. Um, apparently, though, they're much more sophisticated in appearance and performance. They're more like a handheld gadget with a keyboard and an LCD screen now. So they're not the sort of clicky ones anymore. But she has a nine-year-old grandson asked to be given one for Christmas a couple of years ago, but also set about naming every item in the house to which you could attach a label. And she says the black tape still smells exactly the same as it did. And she was a child, oh, well, that which sounds.
1: is nice. So he's put a label
2: on literally everything. Yeah, literally everything. It's important okay. in, yeah. your house, okay. in your own house to know yeah. what things are.
1: Well, it is. Uh, well, actually, it probably is. Um, so um, if you've got
2: a bigger placenta uh, <laughs> than <laughs> one
1: of... No, I know, I well, say. one is just
2: bigger scale. If you were more than five foot two or less than five foot two.
1: Yeah, that's scale. Right. Yeah, Yes. But please, no images. Just use all your words to do a describing letter you take us through what it looked like there's all bits of piping coming out of it and and it sort of quivered a bit I remember that
2: cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget friendly coverage
3: for you learn more at uh1.com
2: it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up
1: The comedian Rosie Jones is on tour. Actually, it's for the first time, which surprised me. And she is going right across Britain. So there is absolutely no excuse uh, not to go and see Rosie. She is a trailblazer, a comedian, a writer, an actress. She has cerebral palsy, which makes her talk a little bit slowly, but it also... Uh, means that she really makes herself heard on shows like 8 Out of 10 Cats and The Last Leg and QI. Now, her next date on the current tour is this Saturday. She's in Salisbury. Not many tickets remaining there. Then she goes to Basingstoke, Cardiff, Birmingham, Northampton. She even plays Barnard Castle on the 12th of March. Barnard Castle always now screams to a British audience. Cummings. Yep. But An, eyesight. An eyesight An eyesight. test. Oh, yeah. That was the destination of the Tory advisor who, during COVID, did the most brilliantly stupid thing anyone has ever claimed to do. He was worried about his eyesight as a result of a bout of COVID, so he went for a drive with his wife and Kitty
2: In the so, middle of lockdown. In the middle of instituted lockdown. Instituted by his government. There we are.
1: Uh, so Barnard Castle will always resonate for those of us in the UK who were Irritated uh, by that very incident. She's there on the 12th of March. Uh, She finally ends her tour on the 25th of April in Swansea. Now, the whole thing sounded really arduous to me, but Rosie, quite simply, loves the whole thing.
3: Yeah, I think it is, but really, I am like this the whole time. I just wake up, Excited, happy, alert and I've always been like this. I've always been a very happy lady. Well,
1: um that's a great gift. It's a great gift for you and it's great for the rest of the world. Um so what sort of places are you visiting on this tour? Where are you now?
3: Oh, I'm absolutely everywhere. I'm going to Brighton, Bristol, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Dublin, (laughs) Belfast. Basically, I am bouncing around the whole of the country like a very bouncy body.
1: Brilliant. Um, and I know that about your Brighton gig, you've advised the audience, I think the quote was, lock up your wives. Uh, wh- what, what do you mean by that, Rosie?
3: <laughs> Honestly, no one makes me laugh more than myself. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <But> brilliant. Then, <laughs> I said, lock up your wives. I said, joke. But it's alluding to my very cheeky nature and basically it's going to be raucous.
1: Yeah, I imagine that Brighton will be raucous for you. Um, Tell me about your acting career because obviously I'm a big fan of Call the Midwife. And I found the episode with you in it a couple of weeks ago now, really moving. Um, just for anyone who didn't see it, just explain what that was all about.
3: Yes, yeah, so called the midwife because it's been going for years now. We're into 1969 and I play a lady called Doreen who is pregnant and initially her mum thinks she's been abused because she's got cerebral palsy and that's a logical answer but the truth is she's Fell in love with the piano tuner, and actually, it's this really lovely, sweet story. The
1: reason I I wanted to talk about that was because, like the character's mum, like Doreen's mum, I suppose, as a lazy viewer, I thought, Oh, she will have been abused, how terrible. And so, actually, I was surprised, and I'm just being honest, that in fact it had been a completely loving, consensual relationship. And that's yeah. my bad, isn't it? That I I thought it was going to go one way and in fact it was something else altogether.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that is why I am such a keen actor, because I want to tell stories of disability because when I grew up, the very little depictions of disability, it, the character always played a victim of someone vulnerable in need And that is certainly not my story and the story of millions of disabled people out there. But we are very capable of love, of having sex, of having normal, healthy relationships. I was really proud of our middle midwife story.
1: Is it patronising, Rosie, for me to think of you as brave? And when I say that, I mean I think of all stand up comedians as brave because I think it requires, uh, frankly, a, a most peculiar level of, of, of courage. It's a crazy thing to do.
3: Yeah, it's interesting, and I think. Like a lot of things in life, it's all about context. So if you're calling me brave because you know who I am, what I do, what my job is, what I'm capable of, I would accept that. On a level because I am still a British person. So it's (laughs) my natural vibe to go, no, 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 I'm not. But I wish that you believe in that because it comes from a point of knowing me. Whereas if I step outside my door tomorrow and a lady comes up to me and she doesn't know who I am and she just sees a disabled lady walk into water and goes, oh! Bless you! Oh, are you on your own? Oh, that's so brave! No, absolutely not that. so patronising. It's what the context is and what your intentions are by saying that.
1: What do you want to achieve with your stand-up show? Do you want people to leave the show thinking different thoughts, or thinking in a slightly different way about about you, or about people with cerebral palsy? Or do you just yeah. want the, do you just want them to have a good night out?
3: Basically, yes to everything. Um, I think you can take my show however you want so if you're having a crap day you want to go switch off have now hour or two laughing your head up, and you go away with the aching to me and feeling a little bit better about yourself good. i do my job. But alongside that, I do talk about my disability. I do touch on how the current government treats disabled people. So yeah, it really depends on what you want to take from my lovely little funny show.
1: Rosie Jones, and her tour is called Triple Threat. Uh, We love hearing you. No, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I've had a long day, by my standards. (laughs) We love hearing from you, don't we, Jane? Absolutely, we love
2: hearing from you.
1: Yeah. But no pictures of placentas. I cannot make that any clearer. Uh, please do uh, let us know if you have thoughts on just about anything in your life. And if you are um, someone who quite literally lives next door to a relative, I am interested yeah, in that. I absolutely. can't I can't deny that that is something that, I don't know, I mean, it's all a little bit Waltons for me. I mean, that was just loads of them in big house, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was
2: a huge house. That'd be absolutely fine. Couldn't find each
1: other. Oh, that's true. The house was enormous. Mm. But you did wonder about the queue for the bathroom at the Waltons. Yeah, you'd like to think they had a downstairs one as well. Well, Grandad wasn't, he wasn't a spring chicken, was no, he? he wouldn't get make it up the stairs. Let's not think about yeah. that too much. Okay. Any, any
2: dreams about Jane Garvey? Or no, no. claims of your pelvic floor? No. All of the above. Oh, the pelvic floor. I'd love floor, to he? hear them.
1: Uh, it's Jane and Fee at times.radio. I'm my chair there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you oh. all right, no, I, I Genuinely, I think I might be slightly losing <laughs> Money, good bank. I know, lady listener. A lady listener. I'm just sorry. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are
2: odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project,
0: there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust Oleum's new Custom Spray 5 in 1 gives you control with five different spray patterns